Welcome to the From the Stands podcast. Another week in the book, week two of college football. Pretty wild one again. I'm joined by Jacob today. What's going on, man? It was a weekend for the ages. I feel like this was a busy, busy week of football between college football and NFL. I was just snorting it all week, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I'm just glad we're finally here. We've been waiting for it for so long, and now that it's here, it's nice. So, um, We are missing one today. Clint, unfortunately, is doing some traveling for work and got caught up with some flight delays and schedule adjusts and all that stuff. So it's just going to be Jacob and I today, so we'll keep on trucking and uh, we'll make it happen. First off, we had some breaking news that came out earlier um, a couple hours before we recorded in regards to Mel Tucker at Michigan State. Uh, there's a, a sexual assault investigation going on. We don't have a lot of details right now. An early report came out saying that he got fired. Um, that was retracted, saying that he's right now he's suspended. I guess their main thing right now is he still owed either he still owed seventy million or the buyout would be like seventy million because he just signed that contract a couple years ago. So obviously, if this thing were to come to fruition and he was to be found at fault in this, they uh, they'd be able to fire him. Um, with cause and wouldn't have to to pay that buyout. Anything else you're hearing about this, Jacob? I know it's it's very fresh and very new. I don't know if you saw anything on your end. No, I think you nailed most of it. Um, like I said, it's still early. It just came out uh, maybe an hour or two ago. Um, and it, it seemed like at first, okay, he was just gone. And I was like, I thought Michigan State won. Like, I know they were, you know, he was on the hot seat kind of deal. But, uh, but yeah, it came out not too much longer after that. And, uh, it was about a sexual assault kind of case and that, you know, he's just suspended, but um, we'll have to, you know, in these cases, they could take a full year before it happened. So we don't have any kind of timeline right now, um, but, you know, but we'll, we'll have to just kind of keep, keep our ears peeled and see what, um what all is going to happen here. Right. It definitely something we'll keep you guys updated on, something we'll keep an eye on, but you're right, man, this could be a, an indefinite suspension where he doesn't come back at all this season. Um, which would be tough as a program that had a lot of success with him early on, and now they seem to be struggling the last couple of years. Obviously, when your head guy's out, that definitely makes a difference. Um, so yeah, something definitely we'll, we'll keep you guys updated on if we hear anything, but I, w- I would imagine we wouldn't get more information on that until later this week, if not even sometime beyond that. So let's get right into the games. A lot of action this week um, and this weekend. Um, a lot to talk about, some really good games. I really enjoyed watching. Um, let's start off first. Um, with South Carolina and Furman. South Carolina coming off a disappointing loss to North Carolina. Um, Furman, number six team in the FCS, um, obviously with a pretty decent team. Jacob, did you sit down and watch any of that game? I know that was, it also happened right as Texas and Alabama were playing. So like, obviously it's kind of tough not to turn your eyes to that. So what'd you think um, of the Gamecocks? I know we started off kind of slow, but what'd you think of how, how we played and pulled away there at the end? Yeah, man, I was I was definitely watching. It was kind of one of those things where I had the Texas game on the big screen and I had my phone going with the South Carolina game because um, everything's on different ESPN Plus and different channels and stuff, so it was kind of hard to get it all together. Right. But um, this was a fun game to watch. Um, even even if as y'all were pulling away, it was still fun to watch to kind of see what y'all had in second and third string. Um, but you, you certainly, to, to start from the beginning, started off really slow. Kind of like Clemson did, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, Firm is an FCS team for people that may not know. So they're not like a top of the line kind of, you know, program or anything, but they are a pretty good FCS team. 
I mean, I think you mentioned that yourself, JC, on the last pod about how good Furman actually is. So it's not somebody to kind of overlook. And, and we saw that right from the get go. Um, you know, it, y'all look like you got punched in the mouth. And you're like, oh, wow, this team's actually like a, a real good team here. Um, and then y'all kind of kicked it into high gear and, and showed them, hey, we're, we're an SEC team. It just means more. And uh, really started to pull away from them. Um, and I think that's where what separates these kind of programs like South Carolina to an FCS team is just the depth. And that really kind of started showing up as as the game went on. Um, I think what was it? It was 7-7 and then Furman went up 14-7. So we were sweating for it. Yeah, we were sweating for a second. We were like, oh boy, here we go. Um, this is not what Carolina fans need, not what they right. wanted to see with uh, Georgia coming up next week. That's going to be, you know, <laughs> a heck of a, a different opponent right there. Um, but as the game went on, I was impressed. I got to admit, like, I'm impressed with Spencer Rattler. I mean, the, the dude's sat lines, even last week with no offensive line. This week, right. I think the offensive line played a little bit better because it is Furman. But at 25 of 27, 345 yards and three touchdowns, no picks, no mistakes, really, that I, I saw. Like, right. that, that, that dude's another level. Is that, that what you think? Yeah, I mean, and that's, that's with two, that's two full quarters, and then he had one drive in the third quarter where we went down and scored, and then he sat. So I will say initially, when they sat him, I'm like, we were up by 20 at that point. And I'm like, okay, well, we're up by 20. Furman has the ball. Like, I'd like to see Rattler like keep playing. Let's just keep rolling. Really put this thing out of hand before the young guys get in. So I was kind of like, man, I'd really like to to get this thing figured out before then, um, because I would say 20 points can can vanish pretty quickly, especially in this day and age of college football with people throwing the ball and whatnot. So, but th- my my mind was quickly changed. Doty came in for a couple series, made some. He didn't really make some mistakes. I think we had like two holding calls that got um, some positive plays called back. Um, and then, and I'm kind of jumping ahead. Um, so before I do that, let me, let me backtrack. The only thing that really bothered me early on, like, look, we got off to a slow start. We didn't panic. And, and Beamer mentioned that in the post-game press conference saying, look, more than likely, the beginning might, might go that way just because they are a good team and we just got to show our depth and we're going to wear them down. We weren't getting a lot of pressure early on with the defensive line. The O-line did okay, but look, we're, we're going to see a lot better. Is pretty much what Beamer said, right? We're going to see a lot better, and we're going to see a lot better quick, meaning That's next right. week. But I think at the end of the day, we did what we were supposed to do. We beat an FCS opponent by 25-plus points, which is what needed to happen, um, and in front of a, a very good crowd, um, even being up that much it seems like most of the crowd stuck around which was even better when some of those young kids made some plays so i'll fast forward back to like i said rattler came out pretty early like you said i mean couldn't ask for any better play from him i mean that, that's a pretty crazy stat line and for only playing you know two quarters in a drive and then what impressed me man which you know is is definitely looking forward to the future was lenore sellers coming in and a lot of times when we get these recruits that are athletes that can run the ball and throw the ball i do worry how much of a thrower they really are how polished they are early on or how long it's going to take them to get to that point we've had a few guys in the past um we had a guy named brandon McElwain that ended up transferring to cow he came in as a really good athlete two-sport athlete got drafted in baseball and ended up transferring out and he still played quarterback at cow and then the carry-on came in who could throw the ball in high school but you come in and it's a different level in college, and you see the carry-on got moved around, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? But seeing Lenore right. Sellers come in and 
him looking as big as he is, like he is, um, was tough to bring down in a couple of runs he had. And then that play where he just kind of rolled to the right and, and had some room to run and pulled up and just sent through a bomb and caught uh, the guy in stride in the end zone, man. I was like, dude, this is, this is exciting. I mean, he made that look effortless. And then throwing that one to Nick Harbour, true freshman, obviously coming in with a lot of hype to get his first touchdown. I was impressed. So that, that made me happy. I was annoyed at first how early we pulled Rattler. I'm like, let's let's get this thing rolled a little bit. Uh, I'd like to see the offensive line. But a lot of freshmen played very early. Two freshmen offensive linemen played pretty much from the second series on. Um, the quarterbacks got some play. Uh, we threw in some more running backs. Think uh, Mario Anderson transferred from, from Newberry. Had a lot of good carries. Yeah, he looked good. Yeah, I like the way. Man, he's just a natural running back. So hope to see a lot more of him. Um, DJ Braswell. True freshman came in. He's a track guy. He made some good plays, but Mario Anderson impressed me. Lenore Sellers impressed me. So at the end of the day, I think that's what you wanted going into a Georgia game. Rest our starters. Let's get these young guys some playing time because we we don't have the depth that we need right now. So to get game experience is just invaluable. So I'd say pleasant. I mean, per- pretty happy with the way it went. Ended up winning forty-seven to twenty-one. They scored at the end. Beamer was pretty mad at it too. We fumbled the uh, our, I guess our fourth string quarterback came in. We fumbled the snap, and they got on their own twenty and punched it in. So that was a disappointing yeah. way to end the game. Um, but overall, I'm 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 happy that like smooth sailing, pretty much second half on, and we can focus on Georgia now. Yeah, man, I, I agree with everything you said. Um, seeing the Norris. Sellers, like he went to my high school alma mater, South Lawrence, and they won the uh, state championship last year. And seeing the highlights from him in high school, he was just bigger, faster, stronger. He could throw the ball further. He was just like one of those, like, okay, duh, he's really good moments. And to see him do it at the college level, again, FCS opponent, but to see him do it, like he could have done that against anybody. The 50 right. yard bomb was in a bucket. And then the one to uh, Harbor was like a back shoulder throw. It was like like a little out route that you see in the NFL all the time. Like, and that timing's not easy to make on those throws, right? And that's like his first playing time. Like, that's dangerous to see. Um, this team is going to be really good whenever Rattler goes with uh, with the Norris coming up. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, this team just got what I was texting you about was uh, you know during the game was like this team's got some you know some maneuverability you can put anybody anywhere like y'all have been known you known for the wildcat every now and again and especially with the carry on at a former receiver quarterback kind of deal playing running back he can kind right. of play wherever um th- this team can really do whatever the norris can kind of play a little running back like y'all can give georgia some some different looks that they haven't seen um and that'll be on beamer i'm, I'm excited for next week for sure but um yeah like you're saying rest in the uh starters i mean we still didn't see juju play that much and they got six snaps i think or six rushes um and still not seeing a whole lot of juice wells either i think he was on a snap count or something i mean dude this if everybody's healthy and good to go next week y'all give georgia a uh heck of a run but as far as this game this was very exciting to see that's why it was a exciting game all the way to the very end right right so and he kind of left it vague and no one asked the follow-up question but somebody did ask if juice went in to the game on a snap counter to be limited and and beamer said that was not the game plan to limit him in any way now did that change during the game and he just didn't say it maybe because i think he had one catch for five yards and then he didn't really see to get so i don't know what's going on if he's still nursing the injury or what but 
I'm not worried because that chemistry is there still built from last year, but like I need that guy making plays for us, especially to beat Georgia. Like Xavier Leggett is playing his absolute like, yeah. behind off. <laughs> I mean, just the way he's playing, man, all over the field, making catches. So like he's a guy, but when you play a team like Georgia, it's easier for them to, they they can focus on a guy and not let him beat you. I mean, he, he obviously was was gonna be the guy getting the ball at the North Carolina game. They couldn't really stop it. It didn't matter at that point. They were already up. But I'd like to have Juice get going for this Georgia game. Um, and even Trey Knox, the tight end, he made a couple catches. I'd like to get him more involved too, big tight end. So we'll see, man. We got a tough test coming up, something obviously we'll hit on later in the week. Um, but moving on from that, man, we'll stay in-state. So we both played in-state team. So you guys took on Charleston Southern, a team uh, in North Charleston. They're FCS as well. Uh, I don't believe they're ranked in the FCS. It's not really. They've had a couple good um Years of football, Jamie Caldwell, who coached at Coastal, now at Liberty, actually started at Charleston Southern. A little background there, but um, how worried were you guys in the first? I know we were texting a lot in the group, like knowing you guys were going to handle it, but it was almost like, unfortunately, like laughable just because like anything that could go wrong was going wrong, right? It's not like they were outplaying you. And I, I know you got some stats for some of the, the beginning quarters, I'm sure, but it was just so like, how is this happening? Why is this happening? especially after last week, all the talk, like you guys did not want to come in and start like that. So how did you feel beginning of the game? And like, were you ever really worried at all? Or just like, Hey, just give it some time. Dude, I coming off that Duke game and how it was just such a weird game. Um, I was certainly worried coming into the game, just wanted to see us kind of get back to our roots and, and just play Clemson football, you know, make little to no mistakes. I'm not asking for perfection but this is csu at, at the end of the day charleston southern um this is actually the first time we ever played them i heard that and i was like after all these years really you never i know we played the cupcake schedule and we get a few of the you know small fcs schools but i, I was kind of surprised to hear that but um but yeah the the, the what happened in the first it was 14 49 to the first quarter and you're thinking like oh boy a little fcs school what the hell's happening to clemson it's just like at, at duke um, that's what I kept saying a lot of that game I was like, what the hell, what the hell? This is the same <laughs> thing. Um, Cade just made some very odd decisions and just, I've never seen somebody that just can't catch a snap. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that happened a lot at Duke and that right. happened, uh, this past weekend. And one of those were, was a fumble that picked up and Charleston Southern scored on. And the other was just a blatant, like, where are you throwing the ball interception? Um, I, I don't even think we had a Clemson receiver when he threw that within 15 yards and it just right into the bread basket of a, of a CSU defender. And he just took it back for the score. So um, Charleston Southern ne- never scored an offensive touchdown in this game. That's something to be proud of. I would say uh, this uh, no, defense, had the one on the goal line, right? Well, I think the, the fumble may have been taken back to the goal line. So uh, yeah, right. But I, I see what you're saying. They didn't, they didn't drive the ball down the field and score a touchdown. Right. Yeah. 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 So I, I appreciate that correction. Um, but yeah, it was like, the fumble recovery taken back to like the one or two, I think, and then they right, right. from there. Um, but yeah, besides that, dude, it wasn't like it, this. This de- our defense was dominant after those two quick little, you know, what the hell's going on kind of plays. Um, we we kind of dug our feet in the ground and really kicked ass from there. Um, it, it it was exciting to see Clemson football kind of coming back. Cade kind of corrected some of his mistakes and he ended up with uh 315 yards and four touchdowns that's like a trevor lawrence kind of stat line um you know and he he didn't even play the fourth quarter i think we put hunter helms in there and got a little bit of paul tyson in there um 
And and Shipley did like he he didn't get like twenty some carries that which is good we kind of spread it around he got seventy three yards. Um, Bo Collins was the big thing that showed up. Uh, I was happy to see him actually go out and be like a I'm gonna go go up and get that kind of receiver. Right. Um, seven receptions, one hundred thirty seven yards, and a touchdown. I mean, we knew Antonio Williams was good. He had a nice little slot receiver. He caught two touchdowns. But like seeing Bo Collins come out here and do that, we need him to continue with that momentum throughout the rest of the year. Um, and just seeing throwing the ball down the field that that was just such a a refreshing thing to see because like we averaged four point eight yards per uh, pass attempt last week against Duke. So seeing it go down the field a little bit more definitely a lot. It's very refreshing to see. So right. you know, sixty six to seventeen doesn't seem close at all. It wasn't. It was scary at the first quarter, but it, this this was a much more like Clemson got their their. Uh, feet in the ground and kind of we can go on from here and kind of forget about that Duke game and move on. Yeah, I mean, looking at the stats, you guys had 679 yards of total offense or total yards, and they had yeah. 70, 74 total yards. They only had four first downs, which is crazy. Like, yeah, like you said at the beginning, I think you guys had like, it was like 100 and something yards to six yards. They didn't even have a first down. It was 14-14. I guess the only thing, and it's correctable, that worried me about Cade was like especially that one pick where he was getting sacked and he threw the ball up like he's not a true freshman like he's been in the system for a year he sat behind DJ no matter what you think of DJ he still has sat and watched the veteran quarterback like you just gotta take a sack sometimes like I don't yeah. care who you're playing what the opponent is it's still college football and it's still there's still division one right so it's like you can't and you know I don't know his mindset but it's like you're not just going to be able to throw the ball up like that. That that is going to cost you in game. I mean, it cost you then. It was a pick six, but like, you, there's going to be sometimes where that's going to make or break a game. And luckily for this one, it wasn't. I will say, obviously, yeah. You watch the first quarter, you'd be worried. But seeing seeing the whole game, seeing the final score, looking at the total yardage, you guys should not have been dropped out of the top twenty-five for that because you guys absolutely dominated. Yeah. So I do feel, I feel some type of way for you guys because it's like okay, like Iowa popped in there for what barely beating a few teams they haven't really been impressive at all i understand you lost to duke but duke's a ranked team now because of how high you guys were ranked so um does that bother you this early on or do you think to me dude i think it's more of just like a the media the narrative has been so like oh my god clinton's like falling off i wonder if that has something to do with it i think it is something to do with that you know just people i think at this point like I said several times over past podcasts, you either love Dabo, you're hating. There's no in between. There's a lot of Dabo hate right now because they want to see his, you know, reign kind of crumble down. I, I honestly believe, and people jump on it, and they're just gonna, you know, keep saying it. So I don't. We certainly didn't deserve to fall out of the top twenty-five. I think certain people may have watched the first quarter and seen that if they even watched the game at all and shut it off and like, yep, Clemson ain't good anymore. Right, right. So, and, and to kind of go back on Cade for a second, he is no, he is definitely not a freshman, but this was actually his first start at Memorial Stadium. He had never played a home oh, game nice. at Memorial Stadium. So this was technically his first game. So like to make those mistakes, first quarter, it's kind of like, hey, this is my first time playing here. Let me get my freshman mistakes out of the way. So. For for what it's worth, that that's what I right. kind of thought about that. But um, but yeah, I don't think we should have. We're definitely better than Iowa and some of these other teams. But it's kind of like what I hear a lot 
about the true college football fans that I watch, you know, some YouTube streamers and stuff like that. They say rankings don't mean much during this part of the season. So it's kind of like a hard, hard thing to truly sit here and believe. Like we definitely deserve to be in the top 25. I didn't look this stat up, but I was thinking about it. Like now that we dropped out of the top 25, I think this is the first time in years that we've been out of the top 25. I, you know, I know we had, I would think, I think even the past couple of years when we've lost three games, it's been later in the year. We've still been, you know, twenties to, you know, 15, somewhere around in there. So I think this may be the first time we've dropped out, you know, in years. Um, so that kind of hurts me a little bit. And that's the very first world thing to say right now, because Clemson has been so good, but like right. that kind of hurts me because we won a game like this and we still get dropped out. But again, rankings at this point in the season don't mean a whole lot. So it, I'm trying to separate the two. So I'm not too bothered by it, I guess. Right. I mean, yeah, it's hard. I do agree with you. Like, yeah, do rankings really matter at this point? No, but there's rankings. And as long as they're ranking people, we're going to feel some type of way about it one way or the other. And it's going to make it a talking point. I mean, if you yeah, put a number true. by a team and we're going to like, we're going to want to have something to say, you know, who, whoever's making that decision. So, yeah, I definitely yeah. don't agree with that. But like you said, it's early on, man. You guys will have more opportunities in the future to, to jump back in the top 25, no doubt. Well, let's get to some of these games, man. Let's run through the top 25, the games of the weekend. Um, a lot of not-so-good games, still some teams playing some lesser opponents early on. But with that being said, we also had some crazy good games this weekend that I really enjoyed watching, some big-time yes, college did. football being played. So we'll start off first, uh, Georgia, Ball State. That's an easy 45-3. Georgia handles business there. No surprise. Yeah, score was 0-0 after the first quarter, so that was kind of like a, okay, what's going on here? But yeah, they scored 31 in the second quarter, so yeah, Georgia's... Right, and that's why we don't rank the top 25 after the first quarter, because you guys would not be ranked. (laughs) Well, you guys aren't ranked, but like you you would say that too. If you watched the first quarter, you guys shouldn't have been ranked the top 50. Hey, we scored 14 points, and they didn't. And there you go. That's true. Uh, All right, Michigan, UNLV, they took care of UNLV pretty easily, 35-7. to All right. On to the big one, unless you got something to say about Michigan. Well, Michigan, they're still not scoring 50, 55 a game that you think they would against like a team like UNLV, but their defense right. is still shutting people out. So we were looking to hope to see Michigan score, you know, 50 some points, but right. um, but Blake Corum still went off for three touchdowns, and that's a good start to his Heisman campaign, too. So. Yeah, and yeah. you know what? And and they're still but they're, they're still without Harbaugh, you know, for, for one more game. That's so true. For, for what it's worth. That is very true as well. We have so, a big game. Get into the game of the weekend. You know, something we talked about a lot and that, that you hit on in the last pod, uh, which you were spot on about with the pressure being on Texas. So number 11, Texas rolls into Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Every game day show you could think of, I believe, maybe besides the Fox one was there. I know, like, I, I believe the SEC Nation was there. Barstool had one. Obviously, game day was there. Uh, McAfee had a simulcast going on along with the which game. Which was awesome. Yeah, I mean, you had AJ. AJ Hawk, D Butt, and then you had McConaughey over there on the sideline. That one touchdown came right in front of him. I mean, you like you couldn't ask for for I mean, like, why would I watch a normal game, man? Like I would just I would just want to hear the commentary as it's happening. Exactly. No, that was awesome. So yeah, I mean, Texas with the the spread was seven and a half seven, I'm sorry. Um, Alabama's way. And me and you both pretty much said, Yeah, we'll take the points. We're we're gonna take them straight up, to be honest, to to win the game. Texas, Texas yeah. ended up pulling away at the end and um, Texas pretty much like had the lead most of the game, and then Bama would come back, and then Texas would take the lead, just and they, they just kept putting it away. They ended up winning by 10, 34, 24. 
um, which shot them up to the number what four, I believe, in the the rankings yes, now. Yes, fourth. Yep. So jumped up what seven spots, I believe. So, what surprised you, if anything, about Texas? Um, and I already know your thoughts going in, so maybe no surprises. And are you worried about Alabama at all, or is this just an actual legitimate good Texas team that you can finally say, at least for now, they are quote unquote back? because they do have a roster that can compete with an SEC team. There you go. You done said it. Texas is back. We finally <laughs> made it, boys. Uh, no, this was game, it went somewhat as expected. Like, I did pick Texas to win. I do think they have a much better roster than they have had in years. I think they're just bigger. And you heard, like, Kurt Herbstreit and some of these other play, uh, you know announcers say, hey, this Texas team, like, they're not worried about like SEC in a few years. Like I think they're ready to play in the SEC right now. Um, everybody says the SEC teams are just bigger, faster, stronger. Well, yeah, I mean Texas is is there. Um, and right. you saw it. You saw it yesterday. So, um, the thing that surprised me, I, well, you were you 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 knew he was really good, and you you know last year he got hurt. So, um, Texas probably would have beat him last year if he didn't get hurt. So like no knowing how good he was going into this game, he certainly balled out. I wasn't that wasn't a shocker, but to see, you know, how confident he was and, and how he just like some of those long passes, they were just on the money. Um I, I'd say the one surprising thing from Texas is I, I even said in the, the previous pod that I think they had the better established receivers. Um, but that really came true. Um Javante Sanders and, and Adion Mitchell and Xavier Worthy, especially like he's those three guys just really stood out and just they were just bigger, they were just better, they were just like, all right, I'm gonna go up there and I'm ball hawks, you know what I'm saying? Just go right. up and get it. And that was probably the big surprise to me. I, I think this receiver room is better than even I once thought. Um, so and they didn't even have to run the ball in Bama, and that was the thing going into this game for is Bama side, they kept you know preaching hey we're gonna come in here and do murder ball again we're gonna come in here and just punch you in the mouth and just run right through you control the game control the clock and they got kind of away from it um i thought you know the first drive they were really you know doing that and then they started running Jalen miller and kind of making him do some little side you know running out and just scrambling and something like well that's kind of against what you were talking about um if they just stuck with that game plan this probably would have been a, a much closer game but um, that's the only thing I'd have to worry about with, with Bama right now. It's just, I mean, the defense was still good. They just got beat over the top by just dimes, like I said, by Quinn Ewers. But just the game plan, if they're going to really do murder ball, they need to stick with it. And really, that's the attrition is what that kind of game plan works at. Right. And you know, their third, Bama's third string is better than most people's first string. So, yeah, you know, use that to your advantage. If they're going to continue to, to try to do this murder ball. Yeah, and I, I know I didn't watch any of the post game stuff, but I know Saban's got to be pretty angry for a couple of reasons. One, the fact that Saban's a defensive back guy, right? I believe he played defensive back, keeps coach defensive back. That's that's kind of his prerogative. And the amount of times that a Texas receiver just absolutely ran past Alabama's defensive backs, which Alabama's got some really good defensive backs. Kool Aid McKentry is going to be, you know, first round draft pick um, for sure. And they were just running past him, man. Um, you know, and, and not really any type of crazy concepts. Quinn just had enough time to, to draw back and throw the ball and, and let the receivers go get it. And then the other thing is, which this happens to a lot of other teams too, but I noticed especially, and, and I know this pisses Saban off, is 
the when Alabama loses a game, which is not very often, they just get sloppy with penalties. Ten penalties for ninety yards. Like that yeah, is the op- that. that is the opposite of a Saban led team. So I know that pisses them off. I mean, compared to Texas, four penalties for forty yards. Um and Alabama had two turnovers to Texas is none. They they threw two interceptions. So it's just like those things like that can make or break a game. Um and and I know that's just gotta irk Saban. I'm not worried about Alabama. This isn't the team of a couple years ago where their skill positions are just absolutely, you know, I mean, all it seems like all of their wide receivers and running backs and, and now quarterbacks are all starting in the NFL. Like they just they're all over the league. They don't have those guys right now, those game changers, they're still very good, very good recruits, but it's just not to that level they were at. I'm not worried about them. They're going to be fine. They're still going to be, they're going to get tested when they play LSU and a couple of these other teams. But man, it's, uh, it's kind of nice to see, man, kind of, kind of flip this around. This is the first time I think since I want to say 2016, I could be wrong that the top five in the rankings are, Every conference is represented, at least to the Power Five. So we got some, we got some difference um, as far as that. So it's not the, you know, it's not the Bama and Clemson like it has been in the last few years. So I think college football fans like that. You may not oh, yeah. as a Clemson fan, but just in general, like I, I don't know who's going to win the national championship this year. Like I think Georgia is still probably the best team, but like they haven't been tested to really know. Um, so like we really don't know. Michigan hasn't been tested yet. Florida State's obviously proven that they can beat. LSU, which is big time. So, and and what if Alabama loses to LSU, and then you're like, well, Florida State, you know what I'm saying? So it just it brings a lot of talking points into it from different perspectives, which I enjoy. So as a college football fan, it was first of all phenomenal game, and just cool to see somebody else finally take down Saban in the Tide, man, because he's been running things for a while. Oh yeah, dude, I, I'm with you. Even as a Clemson fan, I wasn't tired of seeing Clemson person, but I was. So tired of seeing Alabama every <laughs> yeah, year. So sure. I know people were thinking the same thing about Clemson. And and I, that's why I love college football. This brings parity to it. That's an interesting stat you brought up about every, you know, conference is represented in the top five. Where has that been? That that would make this so much more interesting over the past ten years, past decade. Um, even though still college football is the best sport on the planet, but it would just make it that much more interesting. But it's kind of weird that all these conferences are doing that as <laughs> You know they're leaving. You know, like Texas is going to the SEC. So like right. Big Twelve. Yeah. So now okay. it's gonna be. Yeah, it's gonna be the, the same. Pac Twelve is showing out right now, and they're all leaving. You know what I'm saying? It's like, well, where has this been the past several years? Right. Um. So yeah, it, and and this was Nick Saban's first double digit home loss too, um, since 2003, where in Florida beat LSU. Uh, That's so, insane. So 20 that, years and 20 years he has not lost at home by double digits. So not not happened at Alabama. And not since LSU, man. That is absolutely wild. Right. And it's good to to see that. It, it, not not because I, I don't want to hate on Nick Saban, but it's just good to see that, hey, he's human. This team is human. You know, Texas could go and lose another game, and they, these two teams could easily play again in the right. playoffs or something like that. And that would just be so good for college football. But Texas being back after this game is finally a good thing to hear. And I think Quinn Ewers is the guy to do it. Um it, you know, I, I have a lot of respect for him. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't talk a whole lot, at least from what, what I've heard. He's mm-hmm. just kind of a nose down kind of guy. He lost like what, 10, 15 pounds, what the broadcast said. He kind of really cut put his mullet. mind. Yeah, cut the mullet. He's all business <laughs> this year. You know, so this team is is one to root for, for sure. And I know that's like rooting for the Cowboys or something. And a lot of people don't wrestle, you know, 
like the Cowboys. Well, there actually are a lot of people like the Cowboys, but there's a lot of haters for the Cowboys. Too there's a lot of haters for Texas as well. But um, this is a team I, I would love to see make it to the playoffs. Yeah, we'll see, man, because this is also a team that doesn't have a lot of experience in, in the respect of they haven't been the ones with the targets on their back. So going right. forward, they are going to be the team that's you know being hunted by these other teams. So they're going to be tested. And like you said, the pressure's on them, and, and they proved that they could play. And, and, and you know maybe going into the game, maybe they felt like there was no pressure because they were the, the underdog coming into the game. But now, man, they're going to be favorites in probably the rest of the games they play this year. So I like to see how um, Steve Sarkeesian handles that, how Quinn Ewers handles it. They got the talent to do it. So I'm excited to see them going forward, man. I would love to see them make a run in the playoffs, man, because anytime a team like that, kind of like you said about the Cowboys, anytime you bring a big national fan base like that, it's, it's always good for the game. So I'm excited, man. Having Texas back is good. It's been a while. So we'll see how long this lasts. Hopefully, hopefully it'll be for real this time. Yeah, I, I definitely think it'll be for real too because I, I don't have the schedule in front of me. But yeah, I definitely agree. This this team could make it very far. So. All right, let's move on. Um, a lot of the games coming up, we'll breeze through. Um, not really too much to talk about blowouts for the most part. Florida State took on um, Southern Miss. That's a 66-13 win. They handled business there. Um, That's definitely off- like a, uh, <laughs> what's the movie called? My neighbor get a window from a glass. I must get window from a glass. <laughs> Clemson scores sixty six. Florida State must score sixty six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't, and I don't know how that game looked. I don't know. I don't know if they struggled early or not. But yeah, right. Like you look at the score, you're like dominated. But obviously, you know, they, they, there's something against Clemson right now. So, um, yeah, Florida State Ohio, dominant. Right. Ohio State took on Youngstown State. That was a thirty five to seven victory. Marvin Harrison went off. I think he had. Four catches, 120 yards, and at two, least a touchdown, maybe two, two in the first quarter. In the first quarter, yeah, yeah. So, so he went off, um, and that was honestly mainly him just like running past everybody. So, <laughs> was, yeah, I mean, still impressive, but uh, yeah, he's definitely the best player on that team. But again, only scoring 35 sounds bad because you're beating the team by 28 points. But you would expect this team to, you know, you want to see Kyle McCord take that next leap and score 40, 50s, kind of the same boat as Michigan, but they still have Ryan Day, you know, so it would be nice to see them score 40, 50 points. I'm sure that's what their fans want to see. Right. And I think he's getting settled in. So I think going forward, look, if you got a guy like Marvin Harrison, you're going to have a chance to win every single ball game. So yeah. when, uh, when times get tough, just throw it up to him and let him go make some plays. Yep. Next up, uh, number six ranked Trojans, um, Southern Cal took on Stanford. Man, Stanford is just, not what they used to be. I think we all know that fifty-six to ten, just absolute drumming. Um, I think just Caleb Williams kind of padding his uh, Heisman resume, if you will. Oh yeah, forty-nine to three at halftime. Like this, fifty-six to ten was not. It, it wasn't even that close. Like this, <laughs> I truly seeing more and more highlights of Caleb Williams. I see why people are saying he's like a generational talent. It just looks so comfortable. It looks so easy to him. Like, my goodness, this team, if this team doesn't make the playoff, that's one of the biggest fails, I would say, of like this decade of college football. Like, he should be in the playoff. And that freshman receiver branch is just, I mean, he's Took just another going punt on. back. Yeah. yeah. So he, he's one of the best players in college football as, as a true freshman. Yep. Next up, Penn State took on Delaware 63 to 7. I figured you'd, uh, you'd be happy about this because Drew Aller. Had a pretty good day in the stat line, 22-26, a touchdown. He also ran for 27 yards and another touchdown. So he's just getting more comfortable, which I think is scary for the Big Ten. So 
I mean, I I talked about them pretty pretty high up on my list at the Big Ten preview. So, man, they are rolling right now. They are. I I don't want to say too much here, but I, I would personally say that Penn State looks like the best team in the Big Ten right now. I mean, I know Ohio State's got some players and Michigan's got some players, but as right. of right now, this team's looked so dominant. They're the ones scoring the 63 points, something that we think Michigan and Ohio State should be. And they're it's a run-heavy team. They're not the drop-back, yeah. spread-it-out, kind of like Michigan and Ohio State. So you're right. Um, definitely look yeah. out, man. Get, get into you know, November when, they, when those games start playing, some night games in the Big Ten, man. Ooh. <laughs> We're going to have a lot to talk about. Chills, yep. Uh, Washington, Michael Penix Jr., 43-10. to 10. They, they beat Tulsa. Anything there? Well, did, did Penix put up a crazy stat line again, I'd imagine? Yeah, he threw for yet again 400 yards, uh, three touchdowns, one pick. But, I mean, the dude, <laughs> he doesn't run into the ball a lot, but when you're throwing for 400 yards, you don't really need to. So, right. I mean, that, that offense is still just humming like crazy. So, that that's just impressive. And, again, he, I'll reiterate, he's still my Heisman, Heisman pick right now. And that's, that's a tough pick because there's a lot of good quarterbacks out right now, a lot of good players out there. A lot of good players, a lot of big stats being put up. So that's why I'm excited when we start getting into real conference play and seeing who's going to separate themselves from the pack when it comes to some of these quarterbacks. Yeah. A uh, team that struggled early on, Tennessee. I, I don't forgot what the halftime score was. They ended up being 13 Austin, to 6. 13 to 6 at halftime. Okay. And is Austin P. They won PA, however you say it. They ended up pulling away 30 to 13. They were wearing some pretty cool, those gray alternate jerseys with those gray helmets. I really like. But yeah, definitely struggled early on. Um, I guess the the voters felt the same way. They dropped a couple spots in the top twenty five, dropped to number eleven. So I think they saw that and kind of thought something similar. Yeah, I I didn't see a whole lot of this game, but I I, I hate when that. I mean, they still won thir- thirty to thirteen, but I mean, I guess struggling means something to these AP voters. So uh, this team's definitely pretty good. But I, I I agree with you about the jerseys, man. Those jerseys. I mean, I'm a sucker for some orange as a Clemson fan, but I like Clemson's orange better than the Tennessee orange, but those gray jerseys, man, those things look sweet. Yeah, definitely. Definitely like those. Hopefully they'll wear them a little more often. Next up, uh, 10th ranked Fighting Irish Notre Dame took on NC State 45-24 was the final. That game was in Raleigh. Kind of a weird situation there. There was um, affected a lot of the games in North Carolina, or all the games. There were lightnings before the game. They ended up starting on time, but then lightning delays. So they had to stop the game with like eight minutes left in the first half. They had to put all the fans in the hockey arena next door. Then they came back and played, had a condensed halftime. I will say, man, watching game day before, Kirk Herbstreit talked about how good their linebacker core was and their defense. I mean, I didn't wasn't too keen on them as a whole defensively, but I tell you what. They were flying around. Sam Hartman had nowhere to go early on, did not have a lot of time. They couldn't get the run game going. And this is one of the top five offensive lines in the entire nation, if not the best, depending on who you talk to. So for NC State, I mean, that game was just back and forth close for a long time. And then just, you know, going into the fourth quarter, did Notre Dame really pull away? But man, I'll tell you what, that NC State team, that that defense, man, they definitely impressed me. Not a lot of weapons. Um, their quarterback's Brennan Armstrong, the, the lefty. He came from Virginia. So he's got a lot of experience, which helps. Um, but they just don't have the offensive firepower to keep up. Because if they did, man, um, watching the game, it wouldn't have surprised me if they would have came out with a victory. They just didn't have enough on offense. What did you think about NC State? And I feel like 
tell me if I'm wrong. I feel like they're going to be able to pull some upsets in the ACC with that defense. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, for years, NC State's always been known for a really good defense, and they're just a, a tough place to go into and, and, and come out with a win. Um, Notre Dame did that. As weird as this game was, they still kind of dominantly did that. Um, they finally gave up a touchdown, you know, in their third game. But I would have liked to see this game played, you know, without that stoppage. Because, um, like you said, North Carolina was humming there at the beginning. Um, that defense was shutting Sam Hartman down. But even then, after, you know, I, the second half, dude, Sam Hartman ended up 286 yards, four touchdowns. I mean, Notre Dame is just a better team here. But Notre Dame, uh, North Carolina State definitely could keep it close. Um, I will say a note that running back estimate for Notre Dame, he's yeah. a dog. 134 yeah, yards, yeah. two touchdowns. He had that 180-yard run for a touchdown. I mean, he, he is a dog. We knew that, you know, they had some receivers and stuff, and Sam Hartman's a, a good player, but um, that running back's a good pers- a good player too. But um, Brendan Armstrong, 260 yards, two touchdowns, but he's always been on even when he was at Virginia. He could he could throw for three, 400 yards every so often, but he's still turnover prone with those three picks, and those were killer here for Notre, uh, for um, NC State. So uh, this game I would have liked to seen play, like I said, without the stoppage and without the right. weather, and it may have been a little bit closer. But, yeah, Notre Dame, definitely better team here. Moving on to some of the more exciting games, uh, I'd say. So Utah and Baylor. Baylor back to the wall. They just lost to Texas State by 11 points, 42-31. Utah coming in. Cam Rising did not play again. I don't know what his status is. It seems kind of like it's every week. They're just kind of gauging it. So, you know, maybe next week start, starting to get into some more of the conference play. So they had another a tandem of Nate Johnson and Bryson Barnes. But man, back and forth game, Baylor leading most of the game. Utah ended up coming out and, and scoring there right at the end, made some big defensive stops, um, and then being able to run the ball down. But I tell you what, as somebody that, I, you know, I, I picked them to cover and I'm I'm looking around like, man, I really need, I really would like Utah to win <laughs> so I can kind of stay on my roll. But uh, yeah, that that was just a dogfight. That was back and forth. Um, and that was kind of caught in the middle of all the other kind of crazy games going on. I was trying to flip through and catch the end of all of them. Um, is this something that you think, you know, you know, Baylor kind of had maybe not everything to lose, but they come off a pretty bad loss, I'd say, and Utah still playing without their main quarterback. What did you think of this game? Did you get to catch any of it? Yeah, I got to catch a little bit of it. I think Baylor just ugly this game up. They just made it tough for Utah to do anything really through the passing game. Um, going back and forth between those two quarterbacks, it kind of – made it hard for them to get any kind of rhythm. Um, this is the kind of game, that home game, the first week, they obviously got away without Cam Rising, but this at Baylor, this kind of is where they definitely missed that leadership from Cam Rising. But um, Baylor just really ugly this game up, um, made it kind of close late, but um, Utah had to come back and score 14 points in the fourth quarter to, to um, overcome. And that's what good teams do. And we've talked about this Utah team. They've, well coached and they just somehow pull this is like that NFL game you just pull out the one of those weeks where you win by three or four you know what I'm saying? Right. so this team is hanging in there but Baylor's got a lot more to prove um I think they have a decently tough schedule coming up so um let's we'll see what they can do from here but Utah definitely a good team yeah I think that's only going to help them going forward you know one without their quarterback and two being able to pull out a game like that is only going to help those guys going forward because they're a team that wants to make a playoff push 
And, you know, it's games like this that you're going to get in situations later on down the year and you're going to be like, look, we were, we've been in this position before. We know how to handle it. So let's go out and execute. So I think it's only beneficial to them, especially, like I said, you're still missing your quarterback. So um, speaking of a team that struggled last week, I say struggled. Texas Tech loses to Wyoming last last week, double overtime, tough loss. And, and Wyoming's, Wyoming's got a, a pretty good squad. So Oregon comes in town. They just dropped 81 the week prior. I know in the last pod, I'm like, they're definitely going to cover, but they're not going to score 81. I think the spread was six and a half. They ended up, they covered 38-30. I tell you what, back and forth game the whole time. Texas Tech had a lead a lot of the game. Oregon ends up getting a pick six with 35 seconds left to seal the game. I mean, just a crazy ending. You don't see a lot of pick six, like, you know, albeit almost like a walk-off to end the game. Um... But man, what a crazy back and forth game. I know you had texted in the group chat earlier about the offense that was going off. Bo Nix put up a lot of stats. Um, what did you kind of make of this game, man? It kind of reminded me of the Texas Tech of, of old. Like just one of these just absolutely just going back and forth, throwing the ball around, high scoring game. Um, definitely one of the more exciting ones for sure. Yeah, this this game before we like even started week one, you kind of circled for Oregon and like this could be like a trap game. We thought Texas Tech was going to be better than this, you know, going into the year. And then after week one, Oregon scoring, you know, 900,000 points and Texas Tech losing to Wyoming. Um, you were like, OK, well, this game, maybe it's not going to be as intense or as uh, hard for Oregon as it ended up being. Um, but still, yeah, Texas Tech being resilient. Uh, thirty-eight, thirty. Tyler, I think it's, you say his name, Show, Shaw, whatever. I think it's Show. Um, he he surprised me, man. He he hung in there, took every lick that uh Oregon was giving out early because that's when I was texting y'all. And the group chat was saying like it was the beginning of the first quarter, and Oregon went up real fast, and Bonex threw like a couple of bombs and stuff. And I was like, oh boy, <laughs> Oregon's about to do this again, score seventy right. on them. Um, but uh. And Bo Nick still had over 400 total yards and two touchdowns. Like he's still putting up Heisman kind of numbers. Um, but Texas Tech actually played pretty well. But it, like you said, it was just the turnovers late in the game um, that really just put the nail in the coffin for Texas Tech. But this this team is a better team than they than you think. I would think. So what did you what did you make of it? Yeah, I mean, I'd say at this point, probably the best zero and two team in the country, maybe. Um, yeah, that's which I mean, is, that's not something you want to hear, right? Like as a player, that doesn't really carry a lot of weight. But you know, it's been two close games. You know, I look. I think they they had a chance to go out there and and win the game, and they you know the quarterback was getting hit and tried to make a play, and um, Oregon just made a better play and picked it off and took it to the house. So one of those things where some, sometimes the better team just finds a way to pull it out because Oregon is the better team. Um. So yeah, I, I don't think there's anything to worry about from an Oregon perspective. I think it's a good Texas Tech team, and it was just a hard fought battle going back and forth, and um, the better team pulled it out. And kind of like what I said about Utah, I think you, Oregon's going to be better for it um, because you know we talk about the Pac-12 and the lack of defense that's in that conference. And not that this was a defensive battle by any means, but it kind of started getting like towards the end. They're kind of slugging back and forth and making stops and stuff. So um, yeah, just just another hard fought win. Um, I'm sure the mascot was happy. He didn't have to do as many pushups. <laughs> um, if he even made the road trip this time, but oh, no, uh, he, yeah, did. he was doing pushups. <laughs> yeah, he was doing pushups. He wasn't doing as many. So, yeah, I yeah, think Oregon's just, uh, Instagram page they like put a whole video of him like doing like a whole uh, recovering routine where he was like getting his arms massaged and he was doing ice baths and stuff like that. Like that was hilarious. We need more of that. I mean, yeah, 
as they should have. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll keep up with the kind of crazy endings of some games. Um, and it seems to be this way every year when App State plays really anybody, but especially when they play North Carolina. <laughs> so App State, you know, goes into Chapel Hill and takes it to double overtime, ends up falling there at the end to to the Tar Heels. Um, I'll start off by saying they did announce that uh, Devontae's Tez Walker is going to be ineligible for the entire season. Yeah, Th- this could be a a twenty minute conversation. There's guys that we've talked about that have transferred three, four times, um, and they're playing. And I don't, you know, I don't know what the actual issue is, if any. Um, I think this is just another misstep by the NCAA, which I think a lot of people feel the same way. So unfortunately, you know, for that young man, um, not going to get on the field. But they they made they made a way for him to get on the field. They actually named him the captain, so he was able to go out the midfield. So he did That's get awesome. on the field. So they they made a way. Um, I do want to touch on before I get to you, Jacob. Is Amar one the receivers without Tez Walker were phenomenal? But two, Amarion Hampton, twenty six carries, two hundred thirty four yards, a nine yard per per carry average. That is insane. I mean, this is video game numbers and scored three touchdowns as well. And one of the one of those was sixty eight yarder. But I tell you what, man, you're running the ball like that. You're gonna win a lot of football games. Now this one, I would say, did not look like it was gonna go North Carolina's way. They ended up pulling out in overtime. Um, they scored. They didn't get the two point conversion. And App State just couldn't punch it in there at the end. But did this game surprise you, or is it like App State's just been doing this for so many years that you're like, eh, that just it's just another one? You know, it 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 didn't it surprised me after the first quarter that it ended up being this way because it was zero zero at the end of the first quarter. Right, it was ten ten at halftime. So I mean, to end forty. 34, you know, in overtime, I knew it was going to be a close game and overtime was a possibility. But I mean, if you remember to, to this game last year, it was what, like 60 to 60 something? Like this game yeah, was yeah. ridiculous. That's they what I'm saying, like, man. It's it's crazy. Yeah. With teams combined in the fourth quarter, they scored like 40 some points, I think, in last year's game. Um, so this kind of stuff doesn't surprise me. It just App State plays harder when they play North Carolina. I don't know what it is. I think they have something personally against them. Um, but App State's still a good team. Uh, that I mean, Omarion Hampton is he's 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 a beast. But I mean, give some love to App State's running back Nate Knoll, uh, twenty six carries, one hundred twenty seven yards, and two touchdowns. Like he was a dog too. Um, that they kept it close in this game. I mean, Drake May still twenty one at thirty, two hundred eight yards. He ran for fifty seven and a touchdown. Um, it, this is just one of those games. It's almost like the Oregon Texas Tech game. Like it was. Still a solid game for the quarterback, Drake May and, and like Bo Nix, but it wasn't like an outstanding game. And it's just like the team kind of just rallied to just kind of get through to the next week. Um, so the, the the overtime surprised me and how it ended surprised me, but I knew it was going to be a tight one. But North Carolina is still a very good team. And App State is too. Yeah, I'm just, at this point, I'm not surprised. I think going back to 2007 when App State beats Michigan and App State, you know. That's where it started. Were. Right. And don't, and even then, I mean, they were winning national championships on the FCS level, so it wasn't like it was a complete fluke. Like you said, score whatever, 60 points last year. They beat A&M. So it's like, I'm not surprised at this point. Um, but if I were North Carolina, I would not schedule them anymore. I don't care. <laughs> They're close saying. by. We play enough teams close by. We play Duke, who's now going to be a problem. We play Wake Forest. We play NC State. We play Clemp. We play enough teams that are close by. Let's not play the Mountaineers and Boone. Let's just like let them be. And just for like, 
I'm sure they're all freaking out having heart attacks over there as a North Carolina fan, especially when like to me, I would be I would have been pretty stoked like first game of the year beating Carolina, beating South Carolina 31-17, especially the way they looked. That that's what surprised me. App State didn't surprise me. It was the fact that coming off last week, I thought North Carolina was going to be more dominant. I think the spread was 16 yeah. and a half. And I was like, yeah, hammer that. Don't listen to me, obviously. So, <laughs> well, I mean, again, based from last year's game, but I mean, we thought, you know, maybe they would take a step back with losing Chase, excuse me, Chase Bryce and stuff, but apparently not. Yeah, not at all. Um, speaking of teams that dropped a spot in the rankings, I guess, because they didn't perform, which I don't see that. They just maybe not as dominant as you think. Oklahoma took on SMU. Final score is 28 to 28 11. Um, Dylan Gabriel finished 19 to 27. 176 yards. Not a ton of yards, but he threw four touchdowns. So I didn't watch the game, but I'm assuming that it was one of those, hey, we took care of business. It's not not crazy in the stat line. No other quarterback ended up playing, actually. Um, they ran for almost 200 yards. So that was mainly from uh, uh, Tawi Walker. I don't know how you say his first name, but he, he had 21 carries, 117 yards. He kind of led the team, did lead the team. Um, but yeah, they dropped one spot from 18 to 19, so take that how you will. But uh, just another dub for Oklahoma as they start getting into conference play. Yeah, uh, 28-11. Uh, the score was closer than you would have liked as an Oklahoma fan, um, especially after scoring 70-something like they did, just like Oregon the other other week, first week. Um, but Dylan Gabriel still threw for four touchdowns, but I, I think his average was pretty pretty low, on only throwing for 176 yards. So I guess the SMU secondary must be pretty good. Um, certainly not a team we research, even though they will be in the ACC in the coming years, which, by the way, I saw the stat. I don't know why the stat came out, you know, a week or two after it was announced that SMU was coming to the ACC. But uh, the reason that they're not taking they're, – or they're going to be able to not take, you know, revenue sharing from the TV deal for the ACC for like eight or nine years. Remember me telling you that? Right. Is because apparently the uh, director or something there, like all the uh, boosters and stuff, they they already got like 200 and some million dollars uh, before they they even said, yeah, we'll go to the ACC. So they already had their money, and that's why they were able to go to the ACC and just say, hey, yeah, we're, we're, we're fine without taking all that money. So um, good on them. Yeah, I did I did read something about that earlier today, actually. Like, what better way to get into a conference to say, we don't need your money, just let us in type thing. And obviously, SMU, yeah. it does kind of, does kind of have a history. Um, one, some some controversy but two with with winning as well so yeah good for them uh i I found that very interesting but in this day and age not that surprised i want to go back real quick i skipped a couple games nothing we really need to discuss and link but um lsu took on grambling state 72 to 10 Jaden daniels throw five touchdowns in the first half it's either the first time since it doesn't really make sense I, i believe it's the he's only the second quarterback in lsu history to do that behind joey burrow so i'd say that in pretty good company so they handled that 72 to 10 um not not really surprising on that end. And then Kansas State took on Troy. We we did talk Troy up a little bit. I mean, Troy's had a good team in the past. Um, Kansas State took care of business there, 42-13. to 13. Again, not that surprising. I forgot what the spread was on that one, but they definitely covered. Yeah, I, I would say Kansas State, that's, that's a pretty dominant win over Troy. Again, we don't know how good Troy is this year, but, you know, Kansas State is always pretty good. So that that's kind of encouraging from Kansas State. They definitely can fight. Texas for and maybe take instead of it being Texas Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship maybe they could still say hey we still got a place here and this will be our conference after y'all leave anyway so pretty dominant win 
Right. And another dominant win for Oregon State. They took on UC Davis, uh, California team. They won 55-7. to um, DJ had a good day, but nothing really crazy in the stat line. 8 of 13, 170 yards, two touchdowns to back up uh, through another 74 yards and a touchdown. Um, and then they ran the ball as a team for 270 yards. So seemed like a pretty easy game. They had a, they also had a defensive touchdown. They also had a punt return for a touchdown. So they scored in other ways as well. So I don't think passing was necessarily like their game plan. So I'm, I don't look to that and say DJ didn't do anything. I think it just, they probably took what they gave him, which was, hey, we had the better offensive line. Let's run the ball. Again, we scored in other ways as well, so nothing really there as far as DJ or anything like that. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. I, I didn't see a whole lot of this game, but I know that DJ, he ran for a touchdown too, so he had three touchdowns. I don't even know if he played the second half, to be honest with you. I think they took him out de- definitely pretty early, so yeah, not a whole lot to say here other than Oregon State's pretty good. Just like, I mean, what is it? They, as, uh, Pac-12 now has, with the, rate, the latest rankings, they now have like eight teams in the top 25, which is like crazy. Yeah, so. I mean, thankfully they finally ended up one of the teams lost at some point because um, they were going as a conference undefeated coming into this week. So definitely impressive. Um, look, that's their last year. Is maybe it's the Pac-12 as we know it, so they're going out with a bang. Yeah, for sure. Um, kind of a surprising game in a way. Not I say surprising the way we talked about Graham Mertz and that offense trying to become what they are, trying to turn that pro style run heavy, rely on the big heavies up front uh, and turn that into a spread offense is obviously maybe a little more tougher than people think, which we kind of hit on. Wisconsin ranked number 19 at the time, took on Washington State. They ended up losing 31-22. They were six and a half point favorites. For some reason, I took the points. I don't know why. I guess (laughs) I just had a feeling. I no, I like I, yeah. I took Washington State and the points, so that ended up working out for me. I, I don't know why I did I mean, that. You probably but, did that because Washington State beat them last year. I forgot. It does about help. That. I mean, and you know what? Maybe they're doing it for for Mike Leach and and what he's done for that program. And and the you know I don't know if they're doing the the air raid air raid like we talked about, um, or some variation of it. But yeah, um, and if I remember correctly, Washington State led most of that game i don't think it was really ever it was close but for the most part like wisconsin seemed to be playing catch-up yeah it was nine to 24 at halftime um i think washington state yeah pretty much led most of the game um they i think they still do the air raid but the area was kind of stifled because of uh wisconsin's defense they always do have a good defense um but i think you actually said earlier that graham Mertz is still on this team he's not he's in, uh at florida um, no, that's but, what I'm saying. Like the grammar's effect. My bad. Okay, yeah, I got you. I got you. I, I did. Yeah, I, I said it wrong. But yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Tanner Mordecai. I think he was the old quarterback at SMU, if I remember correctly. That's correct. Yeah. So um, it, going across country like that, I mean, Wisconsin's not maybe on the East Coast, but uh, going across country like that, like they lost to him last year. This was it's still a surprising thing because we kind of hoped that. Fickle would take this team to the next level, and he still might. Um, this is still only his second game there, and his first, I think, away game. I forgot. I know Wisconsin won last week, but I forgot if they uh, played away or where they played at. Now, so much football going on. Uh, they beat Buffalo. They were home to Buffalo, I think. Um, so kind of just first away game with a new head coach. I, I shouldn't be surprised by this, but I was thinking that Wisconsin would take that that leap forward, but. That's on me for 
for thinking that because you know Washington State is still a damn good team. So um, not really a whole lot more to say other than that. Tanner Mordecai still played good, twenty five of forty, two hundred seventy eight yards and a touchdown. Um, he ran for twenty one yards, but I mean, th- this I feel like this these two teams could play ten times and they almost go five and five. Yeah, probably. You know, so so a team that uh, surprised me, and you know I don't know why. You, you look at last year's team; they finished ninth at the end of the year. I'm talking about the Tulane Green Wave. They they beat the Trojans last year, so they have a good squad. Uh, right before the game, c- turns out that Michael Pratt, their starting quarterback, is not going to be able to play. The spread went from seven points in Ole Miss's favor to 19 points, so it jumped up big time. Shows how important he is to that team. But that being wow. said, you would not have known that. And that was a back and forth, hard hitting game, pretty much yep. from start till finish. Ole Miss ended up winning 37-20, but that was like very much towards the end that they ended up pulling away. And Jackson Dart made some good plays, got out of the pocket, hit some guys down the field. But very impressed with that two-lane team without Michael Pratt, you know, at home, um, and, and just playing a good Ole Miss team. I mean, th- this is an Ole Miss team that can easily drop 50, 60 points a game with, with that offense. So I was impressed. Obviously, Ole Miss did what they were supposed to do as the SEC team at the end, but I wish Michael Pratt would have been there because I think this would have been maybe one of those other games that either comes down to who has the ball last, maybe in an overtime type situation, just because I was I was surprised how close it was really for, for most of the game going into the fourth. Yeah, for sure. I, I ended up did taking old I think I actually had Tulane to win in the pickums we do. Um and then right like an hour before kickoff I heard that like you said, Michael Pratt was gonna be out. Um and then, yeah, I immediately went over to Ole Miss. I think he's just like a, a game-changer kind of deal for, for Tulane, even though they still kept it close, like you said, until the very end of the fourth quarter. Um, but that's where we talked about the Power 5 schools. They just have the second and third string where it just kind of kicks in at the end. They're, they've got more depth, and they're rotating kids out. But Tulane is still nothing to um, wipe, wipe off the face of the earth because I, I know they're, they were ranked 24th, and I don't they're not ranked now. but um, they could easily turn right back. I think this is their one power five uh, team they have on the schedule anyway. So they're definitely going to be right back in it, especially if Michael Pratt comes back, plays like he has been. They'll be right back in it and maybe even finish ranked 20th, 15th, for the end of the year. So. Yeah, I think I think they'll jump back in it for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Duke took it on, taking on Louisiana Lafayette, not even a game. Um, good for Duke for coming out after a big win. Um, one of the biggest in, in the program history and and not yep. being all emotional hung up on that took care of business 42 to 7 i think that's just what they needed right you didn't want to struggle in this game you didn't want to come out and get upset let's just win this game let's get in the conference play and and uh and the riley leonard train continues right and if you look at his stats it wasn't like a outstanding game i mean 12 of 12 is still impressive for 136 yards and a touchdown but um, they they really focused on running the ball. They only threw it twenty one times, ran it forty five. This is they were just kind of dominating on the lines, which you saw some of that against Clemson. So, I mean, this they're really establishing, hey, like we're we're here, we're good, and rather uh, they kept Riley Leonard healthy. That's the main thing. So, right, yeah, definitely in that game, right. That's kind of the main thing: get all your starters out healthy and and get ready for conference play. The next one, man, which which did surprise me. Um, Maybe just because I didn't think that they had the roster to compete with Texas A and M, and that's the uh, uh, Miami Hurricanes. I actually skipped the Colorado one, but we'll just go ahead and jump to this and somebody talking about it. Um, Miami and Texas A and M. Um, man, I tell you what, Miami was flying around on defense. 
Um, they had some big time turnovers. Uh, at one point, A and M needed a first down. They ran a sweep toss, and Miami just put helmet on the football and it popped out. Um, Van Dyke did what he needed to do, throwing the ball down the field with accuracy. Number seven, that little slot receiver Restrepo, man, he was making some good plays. And they ended up pulling away 48-33 to over Texas A&M. I don't know if Jimbo's necessarily on the hot seat, but man, when you come into a game like that, you're favored, albeit by only four and a half. You have the better roster, at least on paper, right, from all the big-time recruiting classes they've had the last two or three years. And kind of like we talked about last week, I thought a game that he needed to win. Um, I was surprised, I'll be honest. I haven't been high on Miami. It's kind of the same sentiment I've been on some of these other teams that have been ranked early on because of their name. But the way they're flying around the ball, man, they're going to be a problem, I think, uh, in the ACC this year. Yeah, dude. Uh, I, I would actually have to disagree with you about Jimbo. I think coming into this year, you ask any A&M fan, I think that they're they're calculating the buyout kind of hot seat. And to go and lose at Miami like this, um, we knew Miami was going to be better than they had been in years past. Um, this is Mario Cristobal's third year, I think. Um, so finally getting a little bit of uh, – you know, their their feet kind of stuck in the ground and kind of moving forward. We expected them to be better. Um, but I don't think I was expecting them to to do this to uh A and M. Um that defense really stood up and played well. Like you said, they were flying around. But I even think I said this in the ACC preview, this team will go as far as Tyler Van Dyke will, will let them. Um and to do this against A and M an SEC defense, however you want to call it, three hundred and seventy four yards, five touchdowns. Right, that's the next level Tyler Van Dyke that Miami needs, and if he plays like that, then it's just like South Carolina. South Carolina, when Rattler plays really, really good, they could beat anybody. Y'all could beat Georgia right. next week if Rattler plays like he has been. Um, and, and, and the offensive line, <laughs> and <laughs> that helps too. too. But like that, he's a game changer, and Tyler Van right. Dyke is that kind of guy too. Um, as you see, doing this to A and M. Um, but Connor Wegman still played good, but he still had two two interceptions, but. Um, Jimbo to me is really on the hot seat. I mean, I feel like you ask anybody over at, at A&M and, uh, they, they'd have to say, Hey, Jimbo needs to start winning some of these games, man. Like I've said multiple times, I think they have like 40 some of their top 100 recruits of all time on the roster right now. So this is like one of the best teams they've ever put on the field, but based on the rankings and everything, but rankings aren't everything. So. No, you're certainly right. And like you said, they, they definitely aren't everything. But kind of like we talked about, it's definitely going to be the, the talking point for now. And yeah, you know, I think that he has to, they got to win like eight or nine games this year, I think. or Because if he's At not least. gone, it's the hot seat's only going to get hotter. So, And it's not like their schedule getting any easier, you know, going forward, that's for sure. So well, let's move on to uh, pretty much the talk of the, Talk of the town last weekend, rightfully so. Put on a showing last weekend and came out and did it again this week. Um, Colorado, first home game with Dion being there. Um, looked to be a sold-out crowd to me. Nebraska comes in. What did you think of that game? Um, and did anything surprise you with any of those teams? No, I mean, I guess at this point, the, the best sentence you can say about Colorado is we shouldn't be surprised anymore. But to see them do this against a Big Ten team, I mean, Nebraska is not Nebraska of old. Like, they haven't been very good in, in years past, you know, compared to what they used to be back way back in the day. But, I mean, to see them do it against a, a bigger and better team, um, you knew TCU was obviously really good. They kept coming off of a, 
national championship year, but they had a lot of roster changeover and stuff. But I mean, they we knew the Colorado was good after doing that at TCU, but seeing them do it to a Big Ten team that we thought was just you know think a Big Ten defense, they got big dudes that they're strong. They're you know that's what we thought Colorado. They were smaller. They were all about agility and stuff, and that they still turned around and did this to Nebraska. Um, this team is for for real, for real. I mean, we knew that Shadur Sanders is a dog. I mean, Dylan, it's still the same guys doing this when it comes to receiving too. Like Xavier Weaver, 107 yards and a touchdown. Travis Hunter, he that man just does not get tired. Um, <laughs> Dylan Edwards is still out there. He was their leading rusher this week because why not? I mean, Nebraska. Um, for Nebraska, though, this is not looking good for Matt Rule, um, especially after making those comments like I did. I think to to Deion's. Sanders or whatever that was about. Like I saw the uh, presser after Sanders said, you know, he made that personal, like Matt rules, not off to a good start at Nebraska and neither is Jeff Sims that he, that was their only, I think offensive touchdown until late. Um, I think in the third quarter, Jeff Sims took off for a 57 yard run. Um, right. So like, I, I definitely think Colorado's defense is all right, but like Nebraska's, just doesn't have their stuff together right now. So you got to look at Matt Rule there and uh, and Jeff Sims too. So we'll see. What, I don't know if Nebraska, they're going to be fighting to make a bowl this year. Yeah, and I don't mean to correct you, but I think if Dion was here, he probably would. Shador Sanders is not technically a dog. He's a leader just ah. based, on the, based on the letter on his street. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I'm messing. I think he probably qualifies as both. Um, but yeah, look, I hate to say... I told you so to a lot of the people, but look, it when you wrong. endure, when you endure, what, a year, two years with Marcus Satterfield, and <laughs> I knew you were going there. <laughs> I mean, I have to, right? Yeah. And you, you just see the the lack of one, the play calling, the situational awareness, getting the ball to your playmakers, like that in of itself just has has turned me just sour towards him. And and I was trying to be realistic about it without being a crazy emotional Carolina fan, but I think I was looking at it with a good perspective, especially with what they did last week or what they didn't do last week versus a not-so-great Minnesota team. I will say, though, early on, though, Nebraska's defense was flying around. This definitely was not TC. Like, yeah. Colorado faced some adversity, and I think it was impressive what they did with it. Um, Shador Sanders still balled out, had a, had a pretty good stat line, and like you said, Travis Hunter played both sides of the ball. Um, had a lot of catches and, and, and good defensive plays. But yeah, to me, Jeff Sims, Jeff Sims, the Georgia Tech transfer, the problem and whether it's him and the timing of all the guys he's calling in motion and stuff for the play calls, like I think that's why now a couple of snaps he just dropped. But then there was like two or three where the guys were coming in motion. One, it hit off one of them. And two, the ball was snapped as the guy came in motion. So it's like he almost couldn't see the ball. So, but see, so that timing's on the quarterback though. Unless. I'm not saying the the center can't just delay snap it, especially when it's on like a silent count. But as the quarterback, you have to time that out right, right? You have to time when you're going to send the guy. Now, unless he's running full speed or doesn't, but like you guys should have been practicing this all summer. Like these are the more simple things. Guys in motion, what tempo they're running in motion, right? They're not full speed more than likely, or they're jogging. Like you got to know that. Turn the ball over too many times. The only reason he stayed in the game as long as he did probably is because he did have that run for a touchdown. Yeah. One of their only good offensive moments. But yeah, they, they just do not have the offense to keep up with a lot of teams, especially not this Colorado team. Um, defensively, I, I was impressed with them. 
um, because Colorado, I mean, what halftime it was, what like 13 I, I don't Colorado. Yeah. So nothing crazy, like a touchdown and a, and a few field goals. Um, so, so they held them there for a little bit and then Colorado just proved to be a better team and Shador Sanders kind of took over that game and, you know, made some plays with his feet, getting, getting out of the rush and stepping up and throwing the ball and even running the ball down the field. So, um, look, the Colorado Buffaloes have won more games than they did last year. Yep. I don't know what their final record is going to be. I don't see how they don't go to a bowl game. Um, I- I'm almost, man, I don't even know if I would bet on Nebraska going to a bowl game at this point with this offense. Like, I don't know. Look, I, I know Satterfield and Rule go way back to their Temple days, but Rule, if he wants to keep his job at Nebraska, which he does because he's getting paid a lot of money and he has a little bit of self-preservation, Satterfield is not going to be coming back as the offensive coordinator. I don't know how he coordinates anywhere else. Like, I don't know what he has done to, to like, to show that he deserves an offensive coordinator job. Like, he's going to have to go be like a positions coach or an analyst or something, which I don't even want him analyzing anything, to be honest. I sure as hell don't want his input, especially when it comes to offensive football. Jesus. But I just, I'm just saying, like, it's, it's <laughs> obvious, man. Like, you score seven versus Minnesota on a trick play, and then you score four or 14 on what's supposed to be a not good Colorado team, which we know that's not the case, but a team that has 86 new players or whatever it is, and you're supposed to be big, bad Nebraska. I just don't have any sympathy for him or his offensive prowess or lack thereof. No, I get it. And it's personal because he was, you know, a game cop for a while, but I I think he almost needs to take that. Uh, yes. If Matt rule wants to keep his job, which I think he's going to be there for more than one year, you don't sign somebody like that just to give him one year. I think he's got to get rid of Satterfield and, and even, even if Satterfield improves a little bit, you got to get rid of him and send him down to like FCS. He needs to kind of start, from the bottom and kind of work his way up and improve an FCS school and then kind of come back at it. But um, yeah, Matt rules got to get rid of him. They, they do have a tough, they will be able to get their first win next week. Thank the Lord. Um, Nebraska will against Northern Illinois. And then they got Louisiana tech, but then they got Michigan, Illinois, you know, or Michigan state, which we'll see what they are. I mean, they, they could make a bowl at this point, but they were hoping to win one of these first two games, at least Minnesota and Colorado. So, Right. Well, hopefully they're two and two for their sake, you know, going into conference play, but we'll see. Um, man, what a wild weekend, dude. Um, it was kind of nice to, you know, relax a little bit with the teams that we played early on, not so much for us. Um, and then enjoy some of the other crazy games that were going on, but this weekend is going to be a tough test and, um, you know, we'll be hitting on it later this week. Clint will be back. He'll be joining us. So we'll, uh, we'll come back with our picks. From last week, see what everybody did against the spread. More than likely, Gavin beat everybody again, I would think. Probably. <laughs> uh, wouldn't surprise me, but we'll be back with our picks. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be previewing next weekend um, and, and a few big games coming up for sure. So, Jacob, what else you got, man, before we get out of here? Nothing much else other than uh, Iowa did not score 25 points this week. <laughs> so oh, man. We did, yeah, let, we'll, we'll read touch on that real quick what was the final score they scored 20 right 20 to 13 they beat iowa state so they covered the spread uh which i believe was like four and a half yes um, they did surprisingly they won the cyhawk trophy but right now as it stands the offensive coordinator is still set to be fired at the end of the year he's getting his wins uh, man he needs seven wins as a part of that i believe but he also has to add oh, is 25 it? points per game 
But I mean, he's getting his wins. They're undefeated well, get, two and zero. If you get one or the other, what happens? Uh, he has to. Get, he has to have both. So I don't know. Oh, okay. If he just gets there's one, no, then there's, there's yeah, no like if you get you get seven wins. There's a plus or minus two or three points. <laughs> I guess so, dude. I mean, dude, come on. At Iowa, you should be able to score 25 points and win seven games, right? Dude, you should. Iowa's got oh, one man. of the best defenses of, like, they always do, man. Right. I'm, I'm actually glad you brought that up because I forgot. Uh, that's definitely, uh, man, if we had, like, a ticker, like, that would be on it every time, yeah. right? Like, yeah. I keep, keep in track so I of it. had to mention it because we're, like, as a podcast, kind of watching that. It's just a right. weird thing. There's uh, there's two points per games I want to look at, and that's Satterfield's and then that guy's. That's all yeah. I want. Dude, <laughs> if Iowa's offensive coordinator has more than Satterfield, that's that's going to be wild. He does. He does. So far, yeah. Seven and 14. Yeah. That's, I'm saying at the end of the year, that's just going to be maybe wow. we, Maybe we, we can uh, send a letter and change a contract. If he averages more points than Satterfield, he can stay. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, let him go ahead. If Iowa's offensive coordinator doesn't work out, they'll get rid of him and get Satterfield to try to oh, fix God. the problem. Watch well, that then, happen. I think Satterfield, his next job, if it's if it's at the Power 5 level, it needs to have a stipulation in it as well. <laughs> yeah, it should, honestly. Which, at this point, will be pretty low. Yeah. Because they're averaging like 10 points a game. Yeah. Hey, but, look, that's on Matt Rule, man. Nobody else. You want to hire your old buddy who can't score? Hire him. There you go. Fine by me. Yep. That was a fun weekend of college football. Looking forward to the next. Well, I appreciate you guys listening. Um, as always, we're on Apple and Spotify um, from the Stands Podcast. The best way to find us is going to be on Instagram from the Stands brand. Um, we put clips there um, for the most part every week. Try to get as many clips up as we can. And then the links to uh, where you can find us is all through there. So um instagram and then we have a tiktok page as well from the stands brand where we just throw clips up as well so appreciate you guys supporting us listening and we'll see you guys later in the week and clint will be back and uh we'll hit on uh next week man keep this thing rolling yes sir i'll see you next week all right man see you